0: Welcome to Rewriting the High Street with me, Catherine Price. Chapter 2. We Can Work It Out. improvement district manager or bid manager for Blackburn Town Centre in the northwest of England. This is a podcast series about high streets where I'm looking at the issues and challenges facing our town and city centres, how they've been impacted by the pandemic and what's being done to revitalise, reimagine and rewrite the high street. If you've listened to the first chapter the state of the high street and you've come back for more, thank you it's taken me much longer than I hoped to prepare and record this second chapter. The last quarter of 2021 was crazy busy with Blackburn Bid. We delivered four events in quick succession alongside preparing for year four of the bid which started in January. It's fair to say I was exhausted by January but I had the delivery plan for 2022 to prepare and the bids AGM to deliver so it feels like I'm just coming up for air. Thank you for bearing with me. you'll find this podcast interesting and informative. If you've got any issues that you'd like me to address during the course of the series or questions you'd like me to try and answer, please drop me a line at rewritingthehighstreet at gmail.com. This second chapter is called We Can Work It Out. When I was planning out the series, I hadn't actually planned for this to be the subject of the second chapter, but after speaking to Diane Whirl, marketing and insights director at springboard in the first chapter it was clear that how we work is a big factor in how high streets will change in the coming months and years and so i thought it was appropriate to look into this topic next this is what diane told me in chapter one
1: so one of the many unknowns is the degree to which we'll return to pre-pandemic trends and to a large degree that will depend on how we work moving forward Um, as office workers are so important to footfall
0: i'm sorry to start by reminding everyone of what happened at the start of the pandemic last year but i want to set the scene for this discussion the world health organization declared the covid 19 outbreak a public health emergency of international concern on the 30th of january 2020 and a pandemic on the 11th of march When I was looking back at the Prime Minister's statements around this time, it was really quite bleak and frightening. One of his first significant statements was on the 16th of March 2020, when Boris Johnson said Now is the time for everyone to stop non-essential contact with others and to stop all unnecessary travel. We need people to start working from home where they possibly can and you should avoid pubs, clubs, theatres and other such social venues. The next day, I remember I went into work as normal, but all staff had a briefing where we were advised to pack up our things and prepare for working from home for the foreseeable future. I took home my laptop, two screens, keyboard, mouse and a few files of paper and set up office in my dining room. The next day, I started to do yoga every day instead of my journey to work, which have continued to this day, but that's another story. On 23rd of March, the Prime Minister made a national statement on television, which included a very stark statement.
2: From this evening, I must give the British people a very simple instruction. You must stay at home, because the critical thing we must do to stop the disease spreading between households. That is why people will only be allowed to leave their home for the following very limited purposes. Shopping for basic necessities as infrequently as possible. One form of exercise a day, for example, a run, walk or cycle, alone or with members of your household. Any medical need to provide care or to help a vulnerable person. And travelling to and from work, but only where this is absolutely necessary and cannot be done from home. That's all. These are the only reasons you should leave your home.
0: Boris Johnson went on to say that to ensure compliance with the government's instruction to stay at home the government would immediately close all shops selling non-essential goods including clothing and electronic stores and other premises including libraries, playgrounds and outdoor gyms plus places of worship they would stop all gatherings of more than two people in public excluding people you live with They will stop all social events, including weddings, baptisms and other ceremonies, but excluding funerals. Parks were to remain open for exercise, but gatherings would be dispersed. (music) A package of business support measures was announced by the Chancellor, Rishi Sunak, including the coronavirus job retention or furlough scheme, business interruption loans, grants and business rates holidays for retail, hospitality and leisure businesses to support businesses in the wake of the steps being taken to tackle the pandemic. It was at this point that the world of work changed for most people. If you were a key worker or working in an essential business, you carried on going to work but in a very different way. There was reams of government guidance on how to work safely during the pandemic. You'd have to have a letter from your employer confirming you're an essential or key worker and therefore okay to leave your home to go to work you had to wear PPE work in bubbles have safety equipment installed keep a distance change the layout of your work environment and have your temperature taken if you were able to work from home You had laptops set up on the kitchen table or in the spare room, and you might be fighting with partners and children for space to work and some peace and quiet. A new word, furlough, was on everyone's lips. It meant that those whose workplaces had to close and were unable to work from home could get 80% of their wages paid for by the government. This was a scheme that continued, albeit with decreasing government contributions, until September of 2021. At the time that this initial lockdown was announced, it was in the context of 12 weeks of hardship and sacrifice and we'll get this done. In actual fact, we've been through three lockdowns, varying levels of restrictions depending on where you live, and the effect on our lives and how we work has been profound. As we heard in the first chapter, this has had a major impact on our high streets. Town and city centres are economic centres with huge amounts of employment, from the people who work in the shops, services, hospitality and leisure businesses, to those who work in offices and professional services, local authorities and public sector workers. People working in a place use the shops, banks, services and leisure facilities, the eat and drink in the cafes, pubs and restaurants, because it's convenient people are taken out of their workplaces and are working from home or furloughed what becomes more convenient is online shopping which was already having an impact on the high street or visiting your nearest local high street or supermarket and there's much less of a reason to visit a bigger town or city centre. As more people were working from home and therefore spending more time at home their home spaces became more important and people wanted more space, more bedrooms so that one can be turned into an office, more outdoor space to be able to spend more time outside, more space to socialise in when you're able to, until people started to move out of bigger town and city centres and into the suburbs where you get more house and garden for your money. This then impacts on where and how people spend their leisure time going to more local pubs and restaurants. Sales of houses, furniture and garden products boomed during the work from home period with long delays on deliveries for popular items like desks and garden furniture. I moved from my dining room to the spare bedroom and converted it to a home office and my contract was changed from being office based to being a field officer working between home and the town centre which has really suited me. The government has had a number of strategies for each stage of the pandemic. I'm not proposing to analyse those strategies here, but we'll talk about them to highlight what impact they had on working arrangements. There has been some back and forth in terms of guidance or requirements to work from home where it's possible in your field of work. In 2021, the government published its roadmap out of lockdown, which included four steps to be followed at different stages in terms of coming out of lockdown safely. In July we moved to step four of the roadmap, which meant the government was no longer requiring people to work from home and employees and employers were to take steps to gradually reintroduce people back to the workplace. What followed the roadmap was the autumn and winter COVID-19 response, which included Plan A and Plan B restrictions. With the rise of the Omicron variant towards the end of 2021, on the 8th of december the prime minister announced that the country was moving to plan b restrictions and people would be asked to work from home again this requirement finally came to an end at the end of january 2022 when the plan b restrictions were lifted and subsequently the government published their living with covid plan and that's where we are today <music> To the pandemic, working from home in the UK was the exception, not the rule. Based on data from the Office of National Statistics, or ONS, the proportion of workers reporting that they worked exclusively at home in January and February 2020 was just 5.7%. In April of the same year, this rose to 43.1%. At the same time, 46.6% of people in employment said they did some work at home. And of those who did some work from home, 86% did so as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. A survey of 5,000 working adults in the UK in January and February 2021, carried out by Prolific on behalf of the University of Nottingham and Stanford University, showed that 52% of respondents were currently working from home. Respondents to the survey were also asked, after COVID in 2022 and later, how often would you like to have paid workdays at home? And the majority of respondents wanted to continue working from home two to three days a week. In a survey carried out by the ONS in 2021, when asked about home working, working adults stated work-life balance was the greatest positive, whilst challenges of collaboration were the greatest negative, Of working adults currently home working 85% wanted to use a hybrid approach of both home and office working in future so that's another addition to our day-to-day vocabulary hybrid working working from home for part of the working week and in the office for the rest hybrid working leads to an emphasis on quality time spent in the office rather than quantity of time spent in an office as workers no longer have to come into an office to get their work done It's an opportunity to make conscious decisions about the purpose of the office and the benefit to the organisation. This could be said to mirror what's been happening in town and city centres prior to the pandemic. With the rise of online shopping and the convenience and time savings this can create, it's become a conscious decision to visit a town or city centre and there needs to be a good reason, a benefit to visiting, which can't be replicated online. This is what has led to a focus on the experience of the high street from the businesses within it to the place itself. People don't have to visit the high street just as they don't have to go into the office. And so office spaces will need to adapt, maybe becoming smaller, maybe being redesigned to have more of a focus on social space for collaboration and creativity, rather than solo desk spaces. As Diane said in chapter one.
1: Companies are are, are being cautious, taking it carefully, re-looking really at their office space. Um, some. Uh, companies may actually opt for larger space to make sure that they've got enough room for people to come back and feel more secure others may downsize and all of this will impact our city centers and you know people may decide if they were hybrid working to come in more in the evening so when they are in the office they may extend their day go out for lunch or dinner and go see a show or a film go shopping in the evening so retailers may need to look at whether they stay open later they may come back more at the weekend you know and Saturday and Sunday may become even more important the shopping days because they simply can't get back into the city during the week if they are working at home so much so these are the changes we're we're watching very carefully to see whether that will actually change
0: so where are we now according to the ONS in early March 2022 an estimated 21% of the workforce were using a hybrid model of working, the highest proportion reported since early October last year. The proportion of the workforce estimated to be working from home exclusively was at 10% in early March of this year, lower than during the peak of the pandemic, but nearly double what it was in early 2020. So with almost a third of the workforce either working from home exclusively or adopting a hybrid model of working, What does this mean for the high street? As with most things, there are threats and opportunities. Employers may downsize their office spaces as a smaller number of employees in the workplace at any one time. This had saved the business costs on rent and business rates, but leads to an increase in empty spaces on the high street, something which was a challenge for towns and cities prior to the pandemic. I'm intending to focus on empty spaces on the high street in a future chapter of this podcast employees will spend less time in the office and therefore in the surrounding area of the office if that's in a town or city centre it means less convenience food purchased for lunches or to take home for dinner fewer in-person services used such as dry cleaners or banks less coffees purchased by commuters on their way to and from work ONS data tells us that almost half of those home working in January this year said they spent less as a result of home working because of the pandemic a similar proportion of homeworkers reported spending less when interviewed in November last year. Springboard report that footfall on high streets in March was minus 17.4% compared with 2019 footfall, which is an improvement on February, but footfall is consistently less than pre-pandemic levels on the high street. We know that footfall correlates with spending businesses, and so a decrease in footfall tends to mean less spend on the high street. More people working from home will account for some of this decrease in footfall. It's worth noting at this point that Diane Whale from Springboard, who we spoke to in Chapter 1, said this improvement was likely to be short-lived and the calm before the storm, as with the substantial increase in energy and fuel prices, This will mean less disposable income and so some retail spending will be curtailed, particularly as we enter the summer period when many consumers will be looking to reserve a budget to spend on much-longed-for summer holidays. There are opportunities with this change. Businesses with premises on out of town industrial estates or other locations might decide to relocate to town and city centres so that employees when coming into the office enjoy a much richer experience during the time at work, being able to go out for a coffee, have a walk round a town centre on the lunch break, enjoy interesting food and drink at lunch or after work, carry out activities that support their life work balance like visiting in person services to get something repaired or cleaned. Going for a haircut, loaning a book from the library, meeting a friend for lunch, or getting a manicure, or going to the gym or an exercise class before or after work. Hospitality venues have an opportunity to support the changes to how we work too, offering spaces for people to work on laptops with free Wi Fi and plug sockets at tables, and large table spaces for collaborative work or informal meetings to take place. Another potential benefit from home or hybrid workers saving money on everyday items like takeaway lunches or travel expenses could mean more disposable income for bigger purchases in the town centre. And they might be more inclined to visit a shopping person to make the purchase because it's a higher cost and they don't want the risks or limitations which come with shopping online. It could also mean more money for leisure, eating out for leisure, not just convenience, going to the cinema, bowling, or an escape room. Although all this has to be caveated with the cost of living crisis, which could dramatically eat into any disposable income. Working from home is not the only change to the world of work which impacts on town and city centres. The hospitality sector was one of the hardest hit by the impact of COVID-19 and is something which was on the rise on the high street prior to the pandemic with the increasing focus on experience as a reason to visit. All food and drink venues had to close during the lockdowns and when they were allowed to reopen, initially it was with severe restrictions which reduced capacity. During lockdowns, staff working in the hospitality industry were furloughed. Some lost their jobs and some took it as an opportunity to change jobs. Hospitality is a difficult industry with long, unsociable hours, and in c- the case of roles like chefs, highly skilled, but on disproportionately low pay and benefits. People looked to improve their work life balance and realised they could get a low skilled job with more regular working hours for similar pay. So, this meant that some businesses struggled with a lack of staff when they reopened and have struggled to recruit. You've probably been out for a meal or a drink somewhere since lockdowns were lifted and felt the impact. With long waits for food or drink or reduced opening times at restaurants. Hospitality businesses have struggled to recruit and are still struggling. Some businesses have closed as a result of a combination of a lack of staff, difficulty with supplies, and rising input costs. Retail has also suffered with the pandemic exacerbating existing issues and large retailers like Debenham's and the Arcadia Group closing leaving some staff with no option but to move to other sectors outside of the high street. To discuss the changes to how we work in more detail, I talked to Michelle Meller. Michelle is Managing Director and Founder of the Cummins Mellor Group, incorporating Cummins Mellor, CJUK and Personnel Checks based in Blackburn Town Centre. She's also a non-executive director of the Recruitment and Employment Confederation, the professional body for the UK's £35.1 billion recruitment industry. Michelle has extensive experience in business startups, family business, recruitment, employment screening and coaching, and is a thoroughly lovely human being. Hi Michelle. Hi,
3: Catherine.
0: What's been the impact that you've seen in the hospitality industry as a result of the pandemic? The
3: hospitality sector in specifically is in a very different landscape now. So, you know, we still got we've still got lots of chefs working out for us and we're still able to service our customers. But it is, you know, it is it is very different. The hospitality industry, you know, is is well known for being, you know, it's certainly in many cases, and certainly the cases of a chef, it's it's high skill. You know, it's not low skill, but the the pay yeah. isn't particularly brilliant. Yeah. And what a lot of what a lot of workers in that industry have done is because obviously the hospitality businesses are closed down, have gone to other sectors in other areas. Yeah. Um, and seen that you know they've had a bit of a wake up call, and seen that they don't have to work weekends, they don't have to work long shifts, split shifts. They can earn more an hour by driving, you know, um, a Deliveroo van or a DHL van, and then yeah. you know the. But you know anyone knows this. I mean, we are through and through hospitality people because that was our original training. if you've got if you've got hospitality in your DNA you know Mm -hmm. you've got it in your DNA and being a chef is you know a very skillful very sort of creative passionate job done well and you know it's not the same as making deliveries so whilst you know I do believe that for the short term there is a there is a change what we have to do is is think about we think of different ways of bringing people back into the industry, and then obviously bring the next generation through, which is going to take a little bit, a little while. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, a, a lot of our our chefs are doing the work because they love it. So you know, it's about how do we sort of rethink the hospitality industry, and it's not just hospitality; it's lots of sectors. Since the pandemic, the world of work has changed um, yeah. how people do that work is you know very different now people want flexibility they want to fit lots of things in that they couldn't do before they want to pick the kids up from school they want to care for elderly parents they want to have a day off you know and you know the hospitality sector recognizes that it needs to kind of try and accommodate that but also still do what it's always done best which is be this amazing industry that allows everyone to relax and enjoy themselves mm. so it's finding that balance between how you do that but you know also how you, you you factor what the workers into the industry and and do it with care and attention and so that they feel part of that.
0: Do you think it's a, a, almost a necessary shake-up that um, perhaps the Uh, the work-life balance of people particularly in the hospitality industry but the service industry as well perhaps enough enough consideration and support wasn't given to them and that became very apparent um, with the pandemic.
3: I think you could argue that's been the case across a lot of sectors Um, you know there are some brilliant hospitality operators out there who do look after staff and do train and and do I don't think I think I don't think this challenge is just with the hospitality industry. I mean, pre-pandemic and pre-COVID, we had a massive staff shortage in the industry. I mean, it's always been what we call in the recruitment industry a candidate-driven market, which basically means if you've got a person with skills, whether that's a chef or a front of house person, it might be a housekeeper, it might be a sommelier, you know the The really good, skilled operational jobs within hospitality, if you had a really fantastic candidate, you could ring your contact clients, tell them who you've got, and they basically you would place them. So, you know, that's what we call a candidate-driven market. And, you know, it seems to me that everywhere, I mean, you know, we work in the hospitality, we work in the recruitment industry we work across many sectors i sit on the board of the recruitment and employment confederation we support three and a half thousand recruiters across the uk who are all at the coalface of every sector you can think of and everyone is screaming out for people Mm. um you know the hospitality sector was screaming out for people pre pre pre-pandemic there were too many operations too many buy one get one free meal deals too much emphasis in my opinion and it is only my opinion but on you know trying to sort of devalue the skills that are behind that industry and that sector you know if you go to catering college and you work in this industry it is hard work Mm -hmm. and you know you have to be skilled to know what you're doing it's a you know it's 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 a technical environment in many cases professionals who are trained in the industry really need to know what they're doing and often I think I think it was undervalued so you know did people really appreciate just what what went into a meal and how you put it together and the service behind that Um, and I think now people do are starting to appreciate that a little bit more Um, and you know a lot of places unfortunately are not there anymore because you know it's the survival of the fittest and the people who do treat staff well and and can accommodate all the things that you know employees are expecting from a job and the world of work now um needs to be factored in whether you're in hospitality or whether you're in engineering or whether you're in you know um logistics it's right across the board the 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 expectation on people's employment and jobs is completely changed
0: what changes have you seen within the Cummins Mellor group?
3: Prior to the pandemic we did we didn't have what's called remote working as such as as we have it now right. but we always had flexibility with our team members with our members of staff with our colleagues you know if people needed to take time off people needed to work at home we did that as part of the course it wasn't set in stone okay. but it wasn't unusual to say right well I'll just stay at home this morning I've got some what we call eyes down work to do as opposed to heads up work and I'm going to stay on because I don't get interrupted and we would say that's absolutely fine I mean now it's become a formality and flexibility is the name of the game for everyone I think Mm -hmm. Uh, interestingly enough I was reading something the other day and um, it was saying what you know still post I mean we're not out of the pandemic fully but people are back at work yeah but i was reading three quarters of job adverts still fail to mention flexible working and really flexible working including remote working including part-time and you know flexibility is hugely critical to the talent attraction that everybody is facing not to mention talent retention so it's got to come into play because you know we can see what's happening I don't know how familiar you are, but lots of people are resigning. Lots of people are moving in the jobs market now. Mm. And, you know, for me, it's about let's not talk about people resigning. Let's talk about retaining our people. And it's things like flexible working, which is hugely important now. I mean, the biggest single number one ask of the pandemic was to work from home. So we can't expect people to now go back to how it was. No, no. and if you're advertising a job, if you have a role to fill, you have to, you, you know, you're going to get the best people if they know that they've got some flexibility within how they can do that work. And more importantly, where they can do that work from. You know, there's a lot of good things came out of the pandemic, a lot of good things. Um, and I think, you know, the way people work now and how they go to work is, is got to be one of those, one of those advantages of it, I think. So... Yeah I mean how we work now um, you know we're working the hybrid model I mean I I like to think most people are but being in the recruitment and employment confederation we're seeing that that actually doesn't play out all the time. I mean flexibility and autonomy training and development I think are high on the agenda of any organisation now. Um, We probably average around three days in the office and two at home or two days in the office and three at home but you know, it's very much led by what everybody wants to do, because as everyone has noticed, in terms of output, there is no difference. I mean, we are so busy at the minute, Catherine, the demand for staff and okay. recruitment is so high. I mean, it's never been higher. We have, wow. yeah. there are 1.2 million vacancies live at any one moment. I mean, that's the highest it's ever been. We've got, you know, low end, low unemployment. So it's all about how do we attract the candidates now how do we attract the people to our business so you know many of our team choose to come into the office and work because they love being with the team members Uh, but but equally we give them the choice and you know if our managers and leaders need everyone in to come in to talk about a plan or a project or to get some ideas then people come in Mm -hmm. but you know if we're not we're not doing that every day if people are just getting on with their job, then they choose to do it from where they do. I mean, obviously, we've got ongoing training and development. And again, people will come in to do that together or they'll, they'll do it online. It depends on what we're doing. But as a business, we have to flex and consider not just what we need to happen as a business, but how it impacts everybody
0: else. And do you see those changes being permanent now that you've got that hybrid working model and, oh
3: definitely yeah i mean in in one of our businesses personal checks our background screening company we mm. have a, we've recruited a couple of people who work in leicestershire
2: oh, so we've
3: got a whole technical team who are not based in our offices they're not based in blackburn they are actually working from leicestershire oh and I do think you think that somebody would... else working from nottingham do you think
0: that would have happened pre-pandemic
3: no not oh, a chance interesting absolutely not so you know we've got four remote people in our tech team who are doing some great you know online work online tools building a platform for our dbs checks and our employee background screening and um, they're all doing it remotely and they're using the technology to converse to communicate to Mm -hmm. test Mm -hmm. um it's fantastic yeah and yeah you're right that would not have happened and also it's about accommodating your people Mm. i mean if covid Taught us anything. It was that work could be done from anywhere. <laughs> it didn't yeah. have, have to be. It didn't have to be in person it, at the office. I mean, I often think now, when we're sort of going back and looking, but you know, in, in years to come, when we're looking back at this period of time, and we're talking to our children and grandchildren, saying, "Oh, you know, this is what it was like in the pandemic," and, and everyone talks about nine to five working or eight or six working and being in the office every day and clocking in and clocking out. I mean, you can imagine everyone will think we were just dinosaurs.
0: And how are the companies you work with adapting and changing to um, coming out of the pandemic?
3: Yeah, I think, I think the biggest number one thing that people are struggling with is getting the right skilled people into their organisation. I mean, you know, we regularly sit around on forums and we look at all the statistics coming out of government. And, you know, we, we have. I'm talking with my REC hat on now. And, you know, many organisations are writing their business plans and predicting 15% growth in this next year. And, but the thing that's going to obviously stifle that growth is not being able to get the people. You know, it, it is serious to really consider how a people plan in line with a business plan is really factored in there. I think, you know, the number one thing is to ask, is, is there a peaceful, people plan central to the business plan? you know, when, you, when you're when you forecasting mm. growth because everybody, everybody seems to be growing, everybody seems to be busy. And so you look at the future when we, we do it, you know, you forecast and mm. the thing that will stop us from growing is the people. So whilst everybody is struggling to find people, it's finding people with the right skills. So I think a real emphasis on upskilling and reskilling and thinking about different ways of how we bring talent pipelines into our business and looking at more diverse... Diversity and inclusion, and really thinking very hard about right, well, what can we do to bring more people into the workplace and that flexibility? You know, whether it's women working from home. I mean, the statistics around women stopping work during the pandemic are incredible, really. I mean, so many women left the workplace and thinking, well, how can we get them back in? You know, how can we offer that flexibility? How can we offer part time working, hybrid working? Because there's so many skilled people who have not come back who could do so it's thinking round corners so I think that's the emphasis of how we attract people but equally how we can retain them by you know focusing more on the sort of people plan central to the business plan you know I get so many phone calls for well, clients ringing me up or yeah I mean the biggest thing I when i'm talking to clients i'm talking to our leaders in our own business when i'm sitting on my with my board hat on i'm 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 saying you know we need to ask is there a people plan central to the business plan because without the people you don't have a business and yes there's lots of automation coming in and yes there's lots of technology coming in but people you know you can't replace people we'll have more jobs than we'll have people in the future so they are central to everything um and we've got to make sure that we're the skilled the skilled right and you know we've got a huge job on our hands now in how we transition the people who have come out of the sectors that are no more i mean you you deal with retail a lot don't you in the high street yeah you know we look at people in the retail sector and you look at the skills that people in retail have got how can they transition to other sectors, to customer service, to account management, to the digital sectors where, you know, client facing or, you know, being brilliant on the telephone matters. And so how can we pick those strengths up and, and skills and, and obviously tailor them to what we actually need now um, as opposed to what we needed before? If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, it does. And do you think there is a a skill shortage or is it about properly matching people's skills with the jobs that are available?
3: I think there is a skill shortage. Um, I think we need to... Everyone talks about the digital skills in being in in short supply, but, you know, the way... The jobs that are coming through, the the job roles in technology now, you know, in computer science and software programming and software engineering um so yeah there are lots of digital opportunities out there without question and that's where it's going but do you know it's about trades as well it's about i was speaking to one of our clients last week who provides um who needs engineers because they they make uh, air conditioning units but the air conditioning units they're making now Uh, are all to do with sustainability they're all to do with green agenda with the environment with net zero with carbon neutral so we need engineers to be skilled to know what how to do the the job that they've always done but how to do it in the new way of doing it Mm -hmm. and you know he can't grow his business because he hasn't got engineers who are trained to do it digitally or to understand emissions and co2 and carbon neutral and the technology that is required to provide the air conditioning units Mm -hmm. so that this is done in a sustainable way and that's just one example Mm. so um
0: you know there is definitely a skill shortage you mentioned you're based in the beautiful cathedral quarter in Blackburn town centre how important is it for you and for Cummins Mellor to be based in a town centre
3: it's a really good question post pandemic because you see mm-hmm. what's happened in the cities and I mean London is a great example of of actually you know it's the slowest city to come back actually. Um and I don't know if you're aware of how many remote areas of Scotland are actually the demand for people is much higher and they're in much more remote remote place. So right. I think I think location was and <laughs> was being the operative word vitally important, hence mm-hmm. the reason we moved from our offices of 20 years over in Accrington to the Cathedral Quarter. Right. You know, I'm very much, I'm genuinely very much a massive believer in you are your environment, you know, and we're in work a long time, aren't we? I mean, pre-Covid we're in work, you know, we probably spend more time with people at work than we do with the people we live with and look after. So you know of course 19 has completely changed the world of work and the location um but I do still honestly believe there is a place for a a, 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 an office or not just office you know the, the place of work is a vitally important area for people to come together to do great work and I think the workplace has to offer so much more than just a desk and a chair or you know, an operations floor or a shop floor where you, it's got to give to, to give something different, um, and I think that's what we need to to be thinking of now. How do we get our people back to the offices, back to the workplace, where there's there's something not it's not just about the work. There are other things there that you can't have at home. It's got to have something different, hasn't it? Yes. Um, so you know, the work we brought everyone to Blackburn because I genuinely believe I mean hand on heart that we I've got the best offices in Lancashire there is no question in that you know we I visit a lot of clients Mm. and um, look at the workplace and look at where people are working from and you know there's nothing wrong with with where people work from but you know I've got a soft spot for Cathedral Quarter I think it's an absolute state of the art beautiful place to work out of yeah and of course being in a town centre we've got access to everything that comes with it you know whether that's shops or food or a place to meet we've got transport networks that are really easy and you know people are people genuinely do love coming into the office and working there so you know it is important but I think it you know we have to think about what the workplace brings to us as individuals you know it is it's important to have a, a good place to work from if you choose to go into that workspace
0: yeah, and perhaps the focus is more about quality of time spent in the office than quantity.
3: I go into the office now and it's fantastic seeing everyone in. And, you know, it could, there can be 30, 35 people in on any one day. One Mondays tends to be the day when everyone comes in, Wednesdays as well. And sometimes I go into the office and there might only be 10 people in when everyone's in it's a completely different place so Mm -hmm. you know i think i think we have to think about what do we need to do in the workplace to attract if we want people to come back to work Mm -hmm. we've got to do something different in that workspace to want them to come in which is different to what they're getting at home or remotely
0: Mm -hmm. Um, what we're trying to achieve in in Blackburn Town Centre, in every um, town and city centre across the country, they're trying to find that thing that will make people come into their place rather than staying at home and, and doing something online or, you know, experiencing something in a, in a different place entirely. It, it's exactly the same um, issue, isn't it? How do we get them into the place of work? How do we get them into our town or city centre?
3: I think it's about providing access to facilities and making it yeah. easy for people. So one of, I mean, there's some wonderful and, in, 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 you know, initiatives going on all across the country. I mean, seen it, see it with my rec hat on. Mm-hmm. But you know, we were talking to a couple the other day, a couple of clients the other day who were seriously bringing childcare into their office space. So the crash but to, for, their, for their work as children was being brought into the workspace, which I think is absolutely amazing. Imagine dropping your children off at nursery and then going, you know, to the next floor. Let's imagine if it was Cathedral Quarter going up to floor four, Mm-hmm. and that you know the crush is there you can go and see your kids at lunchtime you can drop them off in the morning you can pick them up in the evening yeah you know it's it's that it's that kind of radical thinking yes which makes it easy for people to come and do the work because anyone knows if you've got young children mm. working from home and flexible working is just it's not an option <laughs> you can't you can't do it you know but imagine yeah. if you work for an employer who you know, I'm not suggesting it's free childcare, but I'm saying how much easier would it be if you just yeah. had one journey to make rather than drop the kids off at a nursery or, or the childminder or... And it, it's that sort of thinking, I think, that brings people back to the office and, and you know, in town centres particularly, it's about having the facilities that it brings, yeah. um, making it easy for people, whether they want to work out or whether they want to meet people for lunch or whether they want the shops or they want to just, you know, cut out the using the car and come on the public transport it's it's a it's about all of that i think
0: why is it important that we do bring people back into the workplace i mean we've said it's you know it's been really helpful for people's work life balance to to offer that flexibility to offer that hybrid working model why is it important that we get people back into the workplace at all it's it's a good question and there's obviously we've got examples
3: of people who've decided not to have an office and just work remotely completely mm. and so I, i'm not saying that everyone has to bring their people back, what I am saying is if you are an organisation that needs to have their people on site or would like to have more connection Mm -hmm. with people on site and more face-to-face working, more collaboration, more innovation going on, the ideas come together when teams come together. And Mm. let's face it, 85 90% of work done by any organisation is within a team. Mm -hmm. So when the team is together and they are coming up with ideas they are thinking they are feeding off each other they are recognizing each other you know teamwork is so important and there's nothing like being in person with a team Mm -hmm. and that's what we find with our own members of staff you know with our own colleagues coming into the office and seeing everyone and just having lunch with them and just having that chat with them, that is the thing that brings them back in. So I'm not suggesting that everyone has to do this. I'm just saying that if that is a preference and you are an organization that would like that to happen, mm-hmm. that's the type of stuff that you need to be thinking about to attract people in, but make, make no bones about it. I genuinely think that fle- having the flexibility and giving people the choice, um is is absolutely paramount to success because as I said, you know, the biggest single ask of the pandemic was work from home and people now know they can work from home and get the job done. Yes. But as I can only talk about my own business and I know people do like the flexibility of working home but they also love to come into the office and they want something that connection, the people, the chat, the community when they come into the office you know the fun side of it, it can,
0: yeah you know
3: can, can be a bit lonely can't it working from home
0: yes it can so that right balance of home working and office working can um, just massively improve wellbeing oh. well-being and therefore their quality of work and so it, it's win-win
3: absolutely and you know people with the best people win i always say that organizations who've got the best people produce the best work services products So again, it goes back to that central point of is there a people plan Mm -hmm. central to the business plan?
0: What's one positive thing you've learned professionally or personally as a result of the pandemic that you'll take forwards with you?
3: Oh, gosh, right, okay. (laughs) Um, I think if I was to look at it from a personal perspective, Mm. you know, the old saying that this too will end nothing lasts forever you know it's that thing I think pre-covid I would read and hear that saying but I never really fully appreciated the meaning behind it you know I'm I'm, I'm quite a I'm very positive and I'm quite driven and I always think everything can happen mm-hmm. um and it doesn't matter whether you're in a good place or a not so good place you know I truly do now know that whatever situation you're in, it's not going to last forever, um, whether you're in a difficult time or a good one. So I think, you know, it's about thinking all the time. If you're having a great time, this too will end. But also if you're having going through the most terrible time and there was some dark days in the pandemic, particularly at the beginning, that thing of it, this nothing's, you know, it's not going to last forever. It will end. It will come to an end. And one day we will wake up and we'll wonder, you know and, and i used to hear that and think it can't be the case it can't be the case but i genuinely think that you know that's that's definitely a learning and i take that on now professionally without question the idea of work is what you do work is what you do it's not where you do it from mm. you know i've been blown away at the how everyone adapted to hybrid and flexible working and remote working you know, the transition by every person to be motivated to do their work from where they want to do it from Um, and come together in the workplace because it's a great place to work. Do you know? It's not, I I have to go in. Yes. Um, I want to go in. I want to be with my colleagues. I want to be with my team. You know, I think work really is what you do, not where you do it from. I think that's probably a professional thing that I've taken away from the pandemic. Oh, that's fantastic! Thank you so much, Michelle. Oh, you're welcome. It's been been a pleasure to talk about my passion. Oh. I've, been, I've been in recruitment a long, long time, and running and owning our business and building it from scratch is, you know, it's like your baby. And um, it's so lovely to talk about my industry. You know, we have the best job in the world as recruiters. It can be frustrating at times, but it's absolutely fantastic when you know, we can grow a business and we train training recruitment consultants to help our clients. And, um, you know, the world of work is a fascinating place at the minute. It's never been as interesting as it is right now. So I feel very lucky to have been able to share some of that with you today, Catherine. Thanks for the opportunity.
0: Oh, thank you. And I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you and hearing all about it as well. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. thanks to Michelle for taking the time to talk to me. Key things that Michelle said are that employers need to adapt to the needs and expectations of employees now. As she said the key ask of the pandemic was to work from home and we can't now expect people to go back to how it was before the pandemic and allowing people to work flexibly is how you're going to attract and retain the best staff. It's about finding that right balance between home and office working but what is important is that quality of time in the office and employees working together having a real purpose for when people come together working as a team and giving people a reason to come into the workplace something which they can't get at home that's where town and city centres have a part to play i love what she said about the ideas come together when teams come together Michelle also talked about a skills shortage and not being able to keep up with the jobs that are coming through. I think that's an opportunity for high streets, using empty properties to provide adult skills and training centres which meet that skills shortage, tailored to local needs so that we can bridge that gap. It's something which could come out of the local skills improvement plans which are being piloted across the country, working with chambers of commerce and further education institutions, and which Michelle is involved with. So, what have we learned? We've learned that it's no longer a given that people in certain industries have to come into work every day to get their job done and be productive, and that this has an impact on our high streets in terms of the number of people coming into them and spending time and money in businesses. We've learned that it's still valuable to support people to come together in teams in the workplace but that it's quality over quantity and we need to give people a reason to come into the workplace workplaces like high streets and the businesses and organizations within them therefore need to adapt to meet the needs of a post-pandemic workforce and consumer base and take advantage of the opportunities it presents Town and city centres can provide those things which improve work-life balance and enhance the health and well-being of its community. Services, childcare, training and skills providers, healthcare on the high street, flexible workspaces are all elements of our future successful high street, rewritten for a post-pandemic era. This podcast was written and presented by me, Catherine Price, and produced using Anchor FM. The artwork was created using images by Microvector and Starline, courtesy of freepick.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time for more Rewriting the High Street.